Against the better judgment of respectable gentlefolk everywhere, this is the wildly inappropriate podcast of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes, England's only poet laureate of the piss pot. This podcast is not for children, the dull-witted and infirm, or the morally indignant. Arthur takes no responsibility, and never has, for damn near anything. Today's episode, Clap for My Love, and The Sea Captain's Wife. Hello everyone, this is Arthur Greenleaf Holmes, and thank you once again for joining me in the wildly inappropriate podcast of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes. The latest news on Broadway is rather encouraging, and that is that Broadway shall be opening up this coming September. That really means that we are looking at November for the wildly inappropriate poetry of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes in my vulgarium space. So look for more details as they come in on my website, which is arthurgreenleafholmes.com. Today I wanted to talk about two poems, both poems in which the speakers are women. And the first poem is called Clap for My Love, an Ode to Chlamydia. This is a poem in which I carried the title around with me for quite some time before I decided to sit down and write a poem to go with the title. Sometimes it goes like that. Sometimes you come up with the title and the poem follows. And in this case, the title preceded the poem by a good probably three years. Sometimes it takes me a while to get around to things, see? But both this poem and The Sea Captain's Wife, which is the other one I shall be doing, were two poems in which I wanted to soften the tone of the show. I, I think that with a show such as mine, you really need peaks and valleys of, of energy, peaks of emotion, times when after you do a loud, boisterous poem such as The Tewkesbury Pudding or Tavern Florentina, you want to take it down a little degree. You want to soften the mood a little. And I also thought that I needed some poems in which women were speakers because I didn't only want to present the uh, grotesque male (laughs) point of view. And I do feel rather unqualified to speak with a woman's voice, but I I do it cautiously. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Clap for my love. I remember writing this poem on my stage at the Sterling Renaissance Festival, and I think that I I wrote this probably in the month of June. Now, the month of June in Sterling is an interesting month. Whereas so many other Renaissance festivals out there, they hire a local cast to come in and play the villagers. And many of those performers really have jobs during the week. They have their own lives, their own careers. And this is sort of a side gig for them. And so they're not really able to commit to a whole uh, real rehearsal process in which they they commit themselves to a whole month. They'll come in on weekends and do a few workshops, but this is really just a side gig for them. Well, the Sterling Renaissance Festival is very different in that it auditions actors from across the country. It puts them up in in living quarters. There are actually kitchens on the site in which the actors get together, and uh, they mingle. They spend the nights together, the evenings together. They have a place to sleep at night. They get up early in the morning, and they go to rehearsals that last from anywhere from 9 o'clock in the morning to 7.30 at night. It can be rather rigorous, you know? And in that environment, that highly disciplined environment, I have always found that I come up with my most creative ideas. And there's something interesting that happens when you put yourself into a rigid discipline. I think you, you encourage more creativity. And a lot has been said about this topic, and I believe it was Madeleine Engel 
in her, her book, A Wrinkle in Time, in which she explains that so many sonnets, for example, have been written, and they adhere to a very strict parameter. But within that parameter, how many very creative poems have been written? And I think that to make yourself a disciple of someone, to put yourself in that discipline, is to somehow encourage more creativity. Anyway, I always felt that way when I was at Sterling. I always felt like the, the language workshops and the history workshops and the dialect workshops and the character work that we did, somehow, I suppose you could look at it as being constricting, but it wasn't. It really allowed for characters to become full. And, and with that fullness of character, there's such a, a fountain of creativity. And my best poetry was written at the Sterling Renaissance Festival. So I remember sitting on my stage, and my stage goes right up against the backwaters of Lake Ontario at Sterling. It's a very peaceful place. Uh, the, the, the bird life is amazing. Skunks, and there are possums in the evening, and there's, there are beavers, and there, <laughs> there's raccoons, and there are even fishers. These are sort of cat-like animals that, that wander out from the woods. You see those there, too. Anyway, uh, it's a very lovely place, and I do like to write my poetry on that stage during the weekdays or during the rehearsal period. Today's episode of the Wildly Inappropriate Podcast of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes is brought to you by Toothbrushes, the wacky new invention from the new world. Tired of beating your teeth with a rock by the river? No more. This fun little gadget uses 100 bristles of real Scottish back hair to scrub your teeth back to their original yellow. Impress your friends with your brilliant amber smile. Just one good scrubbing a month gets your remaining eight teeth looking their best. So enjoy that jerky. Snap into that apple. Pull away on that taffy. Crunch into your kinky lover's ass. Your donkey-like chompers are healthy once again. Toothbrushes for that real English smile. So this is called Clap for My Love, an ode to chlamydia. And yes, I know that the clap is not chlamydia, it's gonorrhea, but I just thought that it sounds better with chlamydia. And early on in this poem, I call a rose a long-stemmed cliché. That's something that I used to call roses when I was working at these festivals. And I'd see someone who had a, a rose that her boyfriend had purchased. And I'd say, oh, you've got yourself a, a long-stemmed cliché. <laughs> Rather cynical take on flower giving, isn't it? Here we go. This is called Clap for My Love, an ode to chlamydia. Oh, give me not roses, nor flowery bouquets, though what is a rose but a long-stemmed cliché? Nor diamonds, nor emeralds my breast to adorn, the blackened coal when thy love is forsworn. Oh, you boys, do you fancy my virtue so hollow, that the rough of thy peacock might summon a swallow? Yet stay thy dismay, for still might I yield, and I'll open my bloom to the pistol you wield, and I'll take you to bed for the taste of my bead, and you'll think it's so clever, and I so deceived, when I wake to thy missive dismissively writ, but mine is a gift you'll not easily quit, and mine is a blossom that blooms with goodbye, scorned to a thorn that wrinkles your thigh, and the tears of each maiden you wantonly kissed shall burn like a thistle each time that you piss. No more will you dabble in tawdry romance when your balls burn like nettles of fire in your pants. A dishonorable discharge shall keep thee at home. 
Thy poor scroto baggins must go it alone. Alone. O Chlamydia, blessed be thy name. How else might a man know a concubine shame? Well, that's that one, to be sure. And here's another poem. This one is called The Sea Captain's Wife. This is another poem that I would like to put oh, a few minutes into my show after a couple poems, again, to soften the whole sound of it. But I believe I wrote this poem during one of the themed weekends, which was Pirate's Weekend. Someone wanted me to write a sort of oceanic-themed poem, and I thought, oh, let's, let's uh, use the imagery of the ocean and of sailing to make a, a lurid poem. There's not a whole lot to say about this poem. I mentioned nutmeg in the poem. During the, uh, oh, in the early days of, of the trade routes, there was only one place where you could get nutmeg, and that was on the Isle of Nutmeg in the Spice Islands. And I always thought it would be a funny scene where, you know, a, a wife is at home and she's cooking and she's out of nutmeg. And so she tells her husband, I need more nutmeg. And the man has to get on a ship and sail halfway across the world to the Isle of Nutmeg. And he finally gets the nutmeg and he brings it on back. She looks at it and she goes, this is turmeric. And he has to go back. <laughs> he has to go back on the ship. Anyway, oh, and here's the other thing about this poem. A couple episodes ago, and those of you who follow me on Facebook and my social media, you have noted that I had John Cleese reciting, I bought a cheese and thought of you. Well, I recently had Penn Jillette reciting my She Shanty poem, and I will be doing that in a future podcast as well. But it seems that I'm collecting celebrity voices to recite these poems. And with each poem that I've written, I'm starting to... Imagine what voice, what voice do I hear reciting this poem? And with the sea captain's wife, and this is a pipe dream, I know, but I would love, love to have this poem recited by Betty White. <laughs> Can't you just hear it? Um, well, here's the poem, The Sea Captain's Wife. Well, my husband is a captain, a commander of men, and he sailed the great seas twice around, through the Straits of Magellan and the Isle of St. Helen, but there's one spot my husband's yet found, O contemptible guile, O thou wee little isle all afloat in the rose-petal sea. Come you waves, lap her shore, and she'll quaver the more, but my husband, he drifts to the lee. Would to God that he found it, but he sails all around it, though soft times I've lent him a hand. When his proud doth approach, I'm a cape of great hope, but all hope sinks like foam in the sand. Shall I chart him a course? Shall I argue that force only hastens the timid to hide? How I envy the shells when the tidal pool swells, for their liquor's delighted inside. There's a boy from this land, and he's hardly a man, and yet hardly's the thing that I crave. When he lies by my side, he invoketh my tides, every wave upon wave upon wave. So good husband, off hove, bring me nutmeg and cloves, and I'll pace by the banks of Tralee. But I'm an isle to no man, save the one whose command is the better commander than thee. Well, that's this episode for today. Thank you so much for joining me once again. Uh, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, follow me on my website, especially if you want updates on the upcoming Off-Broadway show. Take care of yourselves and come on out to Scarborough Fair if you're in the Texas area. The Texas area. Texas is a very large area, by the way. But we have, by the time you hear this... We will only have two more weekends left, including Memorial Day. Then after that, 
I am off to the great north up towards uh, New York, where the Sterling Renaissance Festival will take place. But until then, thank you very much for joining me, and we'll see you here next week. Cheers. This has been the wildly inappropriate podcast of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes. Counselors are standing by for those of you in need of a good talkdown. Please send all complaints to the Ministry of Abiding Indifference, whose address we haven't yet gotten around to. Follow Arthur on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and your local police blotter, and go to arthurgreenleafholmes.com to find out how you can be responsible for bringing this pervert to an off-Broadway theater. We'll see you next week. Toodles. Posted on dimlywit.com.